Hello, and welcome to the Own Your Destiny in the Cloud podcast, where we discussed how companies can build their business in the cloud as part of wider digital transformations. Brought to you by CloudOps, a cloud consulting and services company focused on open source, cloud platforms, networkings, and DevOps, this podcast series discusses how businesses can thrive in today's data-driven software economy with the successful adoption and operation of cloud platforms. My name is Madison Long, I'm CloudOps VP of Products for the cloud delivery line of business, and here with me today is my colleague and the CEO of CloudOps, Ian Ray. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Hey, Madison. Great to be here. Today, we're going to discuss one of the most important but rather underappreciated industries, telecoms. We're going to chat about the impact and importance of open source adoption, increased co-opetition with cloud providers, and some thoughts on what it means to be a cloud-native telco that can provide differentiated cloud and networking services in their target markets. But first, Ian, I'd like to go back to a conversation we were having leading up to this podcast about what we'd like telecoms to take away from our conversation today. So Ian, if you were to personify a telecom as a person, and you were speaking to this person, what would you want to convey? That's a good question, Madison. I mean, I have a lot of personal history in telecommunications because my father was a telecommunications engineer. So I didn't really get to choose that. That was just something which I was brought up with. And as I got into the world of the internet, we had many conversations and I would even say arguments about the future of how human beings will communicate. And in the early days, it was very much of a circuit switching versus packet switching kind of conversation. It eventually became a conversation about cloud. And what was really interesting to me is that my father was adamant that telecommunications had already invented the cloud and had been using the cloud as a term for many decades. And initially I was like, well, that's ridiculous. And then I, it turned out he was right. It just referred to something a little bit different. What I would tell a telco, you know, if I was just speaking frankly to a person, I really believe like the telco mission is unbelievably important. It is fundamental to how we are going to coexist and cooperate on this planet. And what's amazing about telecommunications companies to me is the diversity. Yes, they are all solving similar fundamental problems, but every region you know, has its own uniqueness that regional telecommunications companies have to navigate. And this is an incredibly difficult and an incredibly important mission. And my wish is that, you know, as obviously being part of the so-called cloud native generation, is that the telcos are able to successfully transition to this new world of software-defined services and everything as a service, while being able to maximally take advantage of their regional knowledge and their existing infrastructure and investments. And I think this is a really, really important thing for telcos to get right. And it's important for them, not just as businesses, but I think it's very important for the people and businesses that depend on those services. And do you see a role for open source in that mission? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I think about what this whole transition of the towards a an as-a-service economy, right? So we're getting away from selling boxes and moving more towards a subscription economy. And we're seeing that in every industry. I know even how you access a vehicle is turning into a subscription economy. And so this has a lot of consequences, not the least of which is depending on, you know, reliable 
resilient and cost-effective and secure cloud services. And one of the things that we learned early on in the cloud computing industry is it's basically impossible to build at-scale cloud services without open source. And I'd say CloudOps, we've kind of gone a little further in that we believe that being able to maximally take advantage of cloud services, because the cloud is one, that's the good news, but the bad news is that all the clouds have one. So you sort of have to figure out how to take advantage of all the different cloud services that you need to solve whatever business problem you have. And that introduces a lot of complexity and it requires sort of a layer to be able to bring everything together. And it's incredibly important that customers are able to bring those services together in a way where that control plane for their services is one which they'll be able to rely on and continue to support in perpetuity. And this is where we really see, uh, you know, open source is a very important layer within cloud computing providers, but it's also an incredibly important layer for how we take advantage of cloud services because most of these large open source projects are likely to survive vendors coming in and going out of the market. And I think it's super important for customers and service providers to take advantage of that. Yeah, when you're looking at the importance of leveraging open source, particularly in the telecom industry, from my experience for a lot of telecoms, open source has helped unshackle them from the traditional vendor lock-in of the past. But when the open source technology they're leveraging is can be really complex to build, test, manage, and upgrade. I've heard from many that they found themselves moving from this sort of vendor lock-in to what I'll call a system integrator lock-in. And this is where they found themselves heavily dependent on a system integrator to help them execute on the day-to-day -day operation of this open source-based platform. And I've seen this particularly in the networking field where there's a lot of open source technology that have large monolithic architectures. Have you seen these types of circumstances with the telecoms that you You've been working with Ian? Well, that's such a great point, Madison. I mean, I have to admit, as a technologist, I tend to, when I look at problems, I tend to see uh, technical solutions. And I think one of the fascinating things about open source software is that there is a technical component to open source software, but I think there's also a business model aspect and an operational model aspect to open source software. And so if we take a more holistic view of what is open, I think what we've seen is that it's possible to implement open source in a very closed way from a business model and from an operational model. And so I think we would advocate that being able to own your destiny is going to be proportionate not only to whether the software you're using has an open source license that matches the use case that you're involved with and an open community that allows you to participate, those things are important but also that you have the prospect of being able to implement that software in an operational model which is open in the sense that the intellectual property and know-how around implementing and operating that open source is something that is actually accessible and is truly something that as an organization you're going to be capable of operating as opposed to depending on someone else to operate in more of a black box manner and then ultimately you end up getting locked in in a different way. And I would argue at a business model layer as well, this is important because you can quite literally end up building a solution based on open source where you will depend in perpetuity on an integrator, for example, to deliver those services. And I think the way we've addressed that or we try to address that is by making sure that our operational support services, we adopt an open stance in that if a customer would like to operate a solution that we've developed themselves, 
we will literally go in and train them and equip them with all the playbooks and all the automation and all the techniques that we use internally. Our mission is actually to enable them to do that. And it's true that a lot of integrators and suppliers are not willing to go that far. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I've noticed with these communities, and especially discussing the sustainability of the communities, there seems to be a lot of criticism of when certain end users, who I won't name, end up leveraging open source software to do a lot of their undifferentiated heavy lifting, but then they end up building you know, that differentiated value and monetizing it on top of these open source solutions. And my question for you, Ian, is what responsibilities do you think telecom and these other end users have as it relates to the sustainability of the open source community and the technology they're leveraging? Yeah, that's such an important point. Absolutely. You know, one of the key questions I like to ask when we work with telecommunications companies is what are the differentiated versus undifferentiated services, number one? And I think that also ties back to sort of the general problem of knowing yourself as a business. What are the things that as a telco are seen as like strategic capabilities that are maybe on on the roadmap that may have a consequence for how you approach building the operational and technology layers of the business. And I think this conversation, this kind of mapping exercise usually is quite a learning experience for everyone involved because you know as we try to break down all of the building blocks of the layers to be able to deliver services. It's interesting how some building blocks are very clearly undifferentiated and the important piece ends up becoming whether the service provider can be world-class at operating those undifferentiated components and in doing so actually differentiate itself as being a world-class service provider. But at the end of the day, the burden of building the technology isn't necessarily on the service provider. Whereas in some other cases, the service provider quite literally has very differentiated services that make sense in their particular region that they do need to invest in building, they need to do the R&D, they need to build it and control it themselves. And that's really where they need to be investing a lot of their developer resources. And I think that exercise of mapping out the differentiated versus undifferentiated building blocks and how they ultimately get composed at a higher level into services that are outstanding and exceed customer expectations. Because at the end of the day, the customer doesn't care whether those underlying building blocks are open or closed. What they care about is having great service at a great value. And I would argue that the way the service provider can get there is by really knowing itself and knowing why which building block has been chosen. And I think this is where I find a lot of folks uh, assume that because CloudOps is a big fan of open source that we propose that everybody build everything out of open source. And I think in reality, what we see is a need for a mixture of proprietary and open source and what really differentiates a lot of our customers and how cleverly they've been able to select which type of technology to use for what purpose and ultimately how they end up getting combined into an overlying service. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of world-class service providers that you mentioned, you know, we've heard this term cloud native telco pop up quite a few times lately and, and not just in our office in, in general conversations at Mobile World Congress this week, we've heard it come up quite a few times and without getting into the rabbit hole of actually defining what it means to be a cloud native telco, what do you think telecoms can do today 
to become more cloud native and differentiate themselves in their markets? It's always fun to have new market buzzwords and then try to collectively figure out what those things mean. It's a really interesting process that we use in our industry. But, you know, I think like any buzzword, there's fire behind all of the smoke. I think it sort of, for me, cloud native telco evokes a few things. I mean, first of all, is certainly the notion of meeting the fundamental characteristics of cloud services. So what does it take for a telecommunication service to meet those characteristics? Well, it's things like you know, is it self-service? Does it have like transparent pricing, metering, showback and chargeback that's all software defined and software automated? Does it have APIs that are first class citizens that allow the products to actually be automated directly by the customers, by partners, by the telco themselves? and actually control these services through a completely software-defined manner. And I think, you know, another piece that Cloud Native evokes for me is the notion of the idea that the services that you're building can, in theory, run on multiple underlying cloud architectures. And I think that is very relevant. I think that's a very important part of the puzzle here because if you look at what a telco typically does, it'll cover a geographic region, it'll cover a whole sort of set of possibly consumer and business interests. And in every region, we tend to see a different mixture of cloud service providers and capabilities for a variety of reasons. So if you look at some of the projects we've done in cloud computing, I mean, we've done projects in the USA and Canada and Europe, which are relatively well-known geographies, let's say, but we've also done projects in you know, Cayman Islands, Panama and Dubai. And the notion that one could take an approach to designing a system that fundamentally is flexible enough to run where the telecommunication service provider needs it to run, whether on the edge or whether in their own infrastructure, on their own cloud, or in a public cloud such as Amazon's AWS or Microsoft's Azure or Google's cloud platform. I think that's really one of the key things it evokes for me. And the flexibility there in that sort of architecture is, in my view, an enormous opportunity for these service providers. Mm -hmm. And speaking of this cloud native telco opportunity, I know when I've spoke to telecoms and from what I've heard from a lot of analysts, but that they see the hyperscale cloud providers as fundamentally competitive. And from my understanding, I've always seen this kind of growth of the hyperscale cloud providers as an opportunity for collaboration with the telecom industry. How do you think the telcos should interact with these hyperscale cloud providers? And do you see them as taking a competitive or collaborative approach? Absolutely. I definitely hear in the field a lot the anxiety and concern a lot of telcos with the hyperscalers in part because a lot of the services that they deliver are delivered over the top in a very kind of telco agnostic manner and that is a concern and I think you know part of it is also that some of the demands being driven over the top are having real world impacts on the underlying infrastructure and happen in a way where you know it, it does send sort of telcos scrambling because things start to happen and suddenly your capacity model for your network has to change and you don't necessarily see it coming. So I think there's like a natural kind of concern there and I think it's very sympathetic as to where it's coming from. That said, what I try to encourage most telcos to look at is that you know, and I'll reiterate the earlier point is like the good news is the cloud is one, certainly for companies like CloudOps, you know, that's good news. The bad news is that like all the clouds have won. And so the opportunity for telcos is as the regional gateways and sort of the delivery mechanism for these incredibly valuable cloud services is to 
differentiate on their ability to allow their customers to experience all of those cloud services better than any other competing telco. And so I think if you view it as a telco, do we pick Amazon or Google or Microsoft to partner with? I think that's really problematic. And I think that sort of misses the point that in fact, what the telcos are gonna need to do, and I think their customers are asking them to do, is provide them access to all the cloud services that the customer needs to and to enable them to do it as efficiently and reliably as possible, right? You think of a typical business as they start to rely on the cloud, connectivity becomes a much more important thing for them. And that is actually great for the telcos. I think it puts the telcos in a much more important position than they've ever been before than in a situation where I have a large enterprise, everybody shows up and we've got you know local area networking and maybe some WAN networking that's being depended on to deliver applications. Whereas in a cloud world, you're literally, users are accessing applications that are all over the place and they're moving all over the place. And this is leading to some really, really interesting and challenging problems that telcos are in a great position to solve with solutions for the market. And I think they're only in a really interesting position to solve those if they are enabling the customer to get access to that whole sort of menu of cloud services that the customer is interested in. So that's really where I'm encouraging our customers to look is, you know, embrace all the clouds. They are ultimately driving the demand and the importance of the telecommunications network. For sure. And without connectivity, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast with myself in Ottawa and you over there in the Montreal headquarters. Case in point. But as I've been following the news out of one of the largest telco events, which is Mobile World Congress, we're staying among the buzzword bingo, this push to really roll out 5G, 5G phones, 5G network, 5G use cases. But when most consumers and businesses hear this, they automatically think, okay, I'm having faster internet. But there must be other use cases that 5G is going to enable in the future. Do you want to just provide some input on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I I think we're at a transition point in wireless where it would be arrogant for me to speak with authority as to what the most interesting use cases will be. I kind of suspect that those will emerge out of the, once we start to see the real world capabilities, I actually think we're at an incredible inflection point for innovation. And I think we're going to see brand new things that we haven't seen before as a result of 5G. I really believe it's something new. That said, the the things that I'm most excited about with 5G, 5G is really interesting around the density, the reach, and in particular enabling some of these sort of long distance, low power networking that were really not possible to do before, along with very interesting backhaul architectures that allow, again, new use cases that we weren't able to do before. And this is where 5G, I think, is really gonna help the edge explode. It's sort of maybe strange for me to say this as a cloud guy, because I've spent so much of my career evangelizing why it's a great idea to centralize computing and storage and networking resources in a disaggregated way. But I think we're now seeing the pendulum swing back and 5G is gonna enable an explosion of computing on the edge. And what do I mean by the edge? Well, anything really from the customer premises or in the palm of the customer's hand, all the way to, let's say, the central office of the, of the telco. But you know, right now, the, like we're really limited in a lot of the use cases that are possible at the edge because the connectivity is just not fast enough, it's not reliable enough and it doesn't have enough coverage. And I would say that the area I would be investing in in a 5G world would be related to edge IoT. I think there's a lot of latent you know, industrial 
opportunity, allowing what you know many would consider as relatively boring industries, boring in the sense that they maybe haven't historically changed or evolved as fast as those of us who are in the tech industry are used to. But you look at things like farming, agriculture is just a fantastic area, and I think 5G is going to have an impact there. And you know, natural resources, I mean, the list goes on, and that's where I would be betting big. And the reason I say it's ironic is like as a cloud person, I think cloud has often been mischaracterized as because we like things to be binary, so it's either good to be centralized or bad to be centralized. I think the reality is that you know the future state we're heading into is there's going to continue to be massive growth in centralized computing resources, but there's going to be absolutely staggering growth of the number of devices, the diversity of devices, and the use cases on the edge of the network. And the reason I'm particularly excited about that for telcos is that because the telcos are intermediating that conversation between the edge and the cloud, this is where there's just an enormous opportunity for innovation and growth that will probably not be apparent until 5G is kind of really made real. And I know there's a lot of folks saying 5G is here. Marketers are sort of falling over themselves to try to advertise that they're, we're already in a 5G world. But in terms of 5G technological adoption at reasonable scale, I'm thinking it's probably another four or five years before we start to see that inflection point. I would definitely encourage the telcos to be ready to be that sort of magical middle ground to intermediate that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we're just coming up on the end of the podcast time now, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to have one last piece of advice for the telecoms listening to this podcast. One last piece of advice. Well, I'll probably bundle up multiple things in here. I mean, I'm going to repeat the know thyself. And I think it's hard to know oneself, right? It's, it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of work and it, it takes time. But that said, sort of understanding that differentiated versus undifferentiated and how that rolls up into the overall strategy, I think sets up success in projects and making sure that you're applying your you know valuable developer resources on the right problems and you're setting themselves up for success while at the same time leveraging you know the commoditization of IT and the availability of free and open source software i think that's key uh, you know related to that telcos are service providers so knowing your customer and i think working with enough telecommunications companies i often find that we're still steeped in sort of the traditional assumptions about who the customer is and what the customer wants. And I think there's a new generation of customers emerging in the business market who have new demands. And I would be getting out there, I'd be putting a product management team and getting out there and really trying to understand how the customers are needs are changing in the next five years. So it sounds like a bit of being on a psychologist bench, but like, you know, know oneself and know who you're trying to serve and who you're trying to delight. And I think that is really fundamental. And to me, that means maybe more investment in product management and a new kind of product management. Traditional telco product management is so focused on the analyst reports and, the, and what the vendors are selling. And I actually think we're in a, in a world, and you've seen this already in the web, right? In the, in the web and e-commerce, it took a few decades, but you know, with lean and agile approaches, we started to realize that one, it's very dangerous to assume we know what the customer wants. And so... Lean allows this sort of hypothesis-driven, continuous testing of what the customer wants. Because it turns out, often, what the customer says they want and what they actually want are two different things. And without testing the market, it's impossible to figure that out. And without getting out there and talking with the market and being actually really engaged as product management with the market, 
it's impossible to know that. You're not going to find that out in a vendor or analyst briefing. So I think that market-centric user engagement is critical. In, in my view, is actually going to clarify the questions of differentiated versus undifferentiated heavy lifting, where the service provider should invest, and then fundamentally will allow for a strategy allowing the service provider to, to own their destiny and be less at the whims of the analysts, of the vendors, of the general market, and really have its own differentiated strategy. Because at the end of the day, like similar to, I, I guess, as, as an individual, you can really only own your destiny if you're really taking full responsibility and accountability for it. And I, I think what we're seeing is getting out there in the market, testing the market, coming up with your own opinions, your own understanding of your customers is absolutely critical. And so that would be my very long, but hopefully clear closing message for today. Thank you so much for your time and, and valuable insight, Ian. It was really a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Thanks, Madison. Really appreciate the time today. That was fun. Since 2005, CloudOps has enabled hundreds of enterprises and web-based companies to build their business in the cloud. We support public clouds like AWS, Google, and Azure, as well as regional clouds like cloud.ca here in Canada. Reach out to us at info at cloudops.com to learn more about how we can help your organization own your destiny in the cloud. Our extensive set of workshops will equip your teams with the skills necessary to develop and operate cloud-native application platforms that can be supplanted with CloudOps, SOC 2 certified consulting, augmented support, or managed services.